This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Michael Cardinapicorn. He is the founder of a company called Skillshare, which is a learning community for the new economy. Michael, are you ready to take us to the top? Yes, for sure. Thanks for having me. Good. You bet, man. So tell us first, what is Skillshare doing? What's your business model? How do you make money? Yeah, so Skillshare is a website where you can take online classes. So it kind of works similar to Netflix where you can take you know, 17,000 online classes for about you know $10 a month. Um, and we really specialize in professional skills within creative business and tech. Um, so our business model is description. Um, so we take a percentage of that, um, which is how we make revenue. And so is it a pure SaaS play or can people buy one-off courses? Pure SaaS. So um, the idea for us is as we add more classes to the platform, it becomes a much better value for students. So, you know, the early days we're, we're offering like 100, 100 classes for $10 and now we have 17. And I think the future will have hundreds of thousands of courses. And what, so what's the average customer paying you per month, would you say? Um, so you can, it's either $15 a month or $100 a year. So um, about half of our users you know, opt into one of those two plans. So we could say it's somewhere between, uh, well, so what, probably about 11, say, 12 bucks a month, something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what is the, have you seen a direct, before we get more into your backstory, I'm curious, have you seen a direct correlation to uh, uh, increased retention as you, have, as you have like significantly grown your content base? Yeah, for sure. So every year we're seeing the amount of, what we, what we track for engagement is like minutes watched. So every year as we have more content, we see that number go up, um, which also drives up engagement and drives down you know, revenue churn. Um, so we definitely see a correlation for sure. So how many minutes does somebody have to watch per month where you're like, I know for a fact they're sticky and they're paying again next month? Um, about an hour, which is roughly maybe one and a half classes. Okay, interesting. Give us more about your backstory. When did you launch the company? Yeah, so my backstory, uh, I was born here in the U.S., but our family moved us to Korea. Um, so that's where I went to elementary school, moved us back here to, to, go, to, to go to school here in the U.S. Um, and, you know, did everything you're supposed to do, went to University of Virginia, um, which really, you know. Oh, God, the- I, we, I have to end this interview now, man. I'm a hokey. I'm a tech guy. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but, but the funny thing is, it's like, you know, that's what got me really interested in education because like my whole life was about getting to, to school and uh, while I had a great experience, I graduated with a degree and, you know, kind of a lot of shop opportunities I wasn't really, really interested in, which is what led me to start thinking about Skillshare. Um, and then from there, I just worked in tech. You know, I volunteered in New Orleans for about a year, worked at a startup called Behance with a guy named Scott Belsky. Um, I got acquired by Adobe and worked at another startup called Hot Potato, um, which got acquired by Facebook. So I look at those two opportunities, kind of like getting an MBA in startups and then you know, start Skillshare. With what the idea was that? Start working on it in 2010, and then we launched it in 2011. And the idea was to provide access to learning, um, especially learning that you know was around real world skills that you know were needed in the new economy. Mm-hmm. And what is the like? Why go into the, like you, you? You're young. How, how old were you in 2011? 
Um, I'd say maybe 27, 28. Yeah, 27. So, and are you are you single or do you have kids? Not, not single, but don't have kids. Okay, so okay, so yeah, in a relationship, but no kids. Yeah, so you you still generally have like almost complete freedom. Like, why decide to go into a space where your moat is not going to be a technical architecture? It's going to be how much co- quality content you can get. Yeah, that's a good question. I think you know, you know, I think when I when I was thinking about what to do next, I had an Excel file with like over hundred different business ideas. Wow. And and I had a really hard time filtering those down because, you know, some of them were really good. What were your so top three? At, obviously, this was one of them. Um, one of them is not tech related. We wanted, I wanted to kind of start like uh, a Soho house. But uh, in New York, there's like a private members club that like kind of like launched it around the world. I realized I have no experience in real estate whatsoever. So that was not a good idea. <laughs> and I think we had another. I can't remember the other one. But um and I, to narrow that list down, uh, you know, the, the filter I had is like, would I be able to work on this for 10 plus years? And it narrowed it down to things that are very impact and mission driven. Um, and that's even better if we could launch a for-profit, for-good company. And I was also really passionate about education. Um, and that's what led to the formation of Skillshare. Um, as far as the defensibility, so we do look at it as in two or three different ways. One is two-sided network effects. So leveraging the internet, you have two-sided marketplace. One side pulls the other. And on the tech side, we do invest a lot to data science and machine learning. So as people use them, we invest a lot into personalization. Um, so, so those two things working in unison together is how we, how we create our mode. Um, also, we have a strong brand and we have you know, great value and all those things, but we really focus on two-sided network effects and data science. Well, give us an update where you are today. How many folks do you have paying for the platform every month? Um, so we have about three, three and a half million registered users, 17,000 online course classes from about 5,000 teachers. We're pretty much, you know, half of our user base is international. Um, you know, business is doing really well. We're doubling year over year, um, revenues and, you know, you know, way above 10 million. Um, so it's doing really well. I think the next, uh, stage of the company is really around growth and scaling. So I think, you know, the early days was around product market fit. And then we started figuring out how to lay down the foundation to scale. I'll say like, we are, we are in that, you know, scaling phase right now. In the, yeah. in the early phases of that. Are you over a hundred thousand folks paying yet? Yeah, you yeah. are. Okay, great. But can you put a cap on that? Like below 300,000, below 500,000? Yeah. Below one of those two numbers. Below one of, okay, good. Vague, <laughs> vague, vague enough where your competitors yeah. will still be wondering. Yeah. Cool. So vague enough where I'll let, I'll let everyone's mind wander a little on what they think that number is. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. No. Um, yeah. Congratulations on that. So yeah, I mean, look at a minimum, if you've got a hundred thousand people at 12 bucks a month, obviously people can do the math and, and, and kind of, you know, back a little bit into why it's easy for you to say you're well above 10 million bucks in AR at this point. Um, tell me more about the data side of this. So when you have video and audio content in your platform, are you doing things like transcribing it and then actually using your search and recommendation algorithms tied to the actual text data? Or do you have something that ties directly into the voice data? Um, we do some of that. Uh, what, it really, what we really look for is quality content, right? So we look at engagement within classes. So let's say you upload a class and you know, 10 people watch it, but they all watch the whole thing. So we, we can signal that. So that's pretty good. And based on, you know, another user's past viewing history, let's say you're really into, uh, I've seen your, in your background, you have like psychology. Let's say you're really into that. We can pull that class out and recommend it to you because uh, we, we feel pretty confident it's really good. And if you like it, then, you know, that, that, that class funnels all the way to the top. So that's one example on the class layer, but our vision is to create what we call this ecosystem for the new economy. So 
Um, we want to add a career layer where we can start recommending jobs, other pieces of content for you, other people you should interact with. So the idea is that we can create this like personalized like school for you um, around everything you want to learn and who you want to interact with. So that's kind of the vision. And that's where a lot of the data machine learning comes into play. And these kinds of companies, content companies specifically, it's always a struggle. I mean, you've got a massive, obviously, content base, but churn is always a struggle. I mean, it's hard, um, especially at this kind of price point. I imagine you're mainly probably selling to consumers or people just out of school wanting to educate, maybe not a ton of just, you know, income they can just throw away. What is your annual retention right now? And what are some things you're doing over the next year or two years to drive that debt up? Yeah, so our annual retention is pretty high. I think when we look at the retention curves, they all kind of like, you know, they all start flatlining at a certain point. Um, every year, the retention Can you tell us what that point is? is? Uh, it's pretty good, I would say. Um, for B2C, so I think when people, you know, think about subscription churn, you know, a lot of what's written out there is about SaaS churn. So those are B2B, you know, especially enterprise. So you're looking at 1% to 2% annually, which is really good. Consumer is much different. Um, so I think a, a terrible churn for consumer subscription business would probably be 15 plus. You're talking 15% okay. low, like people churning or the revenue that make up those people? Uh, either. So um, we track in the subscriptions because we don't have multi, we don't have different price points. We just have one. So, so we look at subscription churn, 15% per month is really high. 10% is okay. You can kind of, um, and then I think 5% is like world-class, right? So that you know, 5% monthly churn for consumer business is great. Um, and you can really build a humongous business doing that. And I think David Packman, who's a VC at Benrock, wrote a great article um, on, on just consumer subscription churn. Um, so I would say we're definitely, you know, in the single digits for monthly churn um, and improves year over year. Uh, but yeah, it really comes down to engagement, right? So if people don't use your product, they're going to cancel. Are you, you sub-5% monthly yet? Are you world-class or almost there? Yeah. I would say we're within spitting distance of, <laughs> of getting there. What do you do? Like, that's what I'm interested in. You've already gotten churn kind of down below 10%, not as low as 5%, below 10% monthly. What are like the other levers you pull to go from 8% churn down to, you know, 5 I mean, a lot of it's just engagement, right? So, I mean, it's just about getting, your, you know, people to use the product and finding value. Um, obviously, there are a lot of growth hacky things you could do there as well. Like you could, you know, um, you know, there, there are little things you can do to drive churn down, like, you know, swipe people, you know, if their card bounces, swipe it on the first or 15th, you, you know, when they're getting paid. Um, there's little things you could do that, that might get you, you know, uh, some, um, like incremental improvements in churn, but the big stuff function changes in churn are, are just core product experience. Yeah. Have you bootstrapped this or have you raised capital? If so, how much have you raised? Um, we originally bootstrapped it. So we launched Skillshare with, you know, less than 25 K your own uh, money, our own capital. Honestly, we only spent probably five K of it. Um, um, and then to date we've raised about 25 million to date. So and, and who's um, we, what's the founding team look like? Um, so I started this company with a co-founder named Malcolm, who was uh, more of a technical background. I did more of the product design business. And I guess today we're you know about fifty to sixty people based here in New York and with a distributed team all around the world. Uh, sorry, how many of the fifty to sixty are in New York? All of them, and the rest are distributed, or? Um, I would probably say like eighty-nine percent of the companies based in New York and ten to twenty percent are distributed. Okay, um, around the world. Got it. Talk to me more about uh, about how you're winning these consumers over. You know, a treehouse on the coding side, or Udemy on the you know 
business side or a creative live on the creative side? Like, how are you winning these sectors? Um, I think one way you think about it is just our audience. So we focus on what we call the independent class. So these are, you know, either you know, independents, entrepreneurs, small business owners, freelancers. And, you know, there's two concentric circles. The other are millennials. So we feel like we built the, the best product and the, and the best ecosystem for that audience. Um, and the second one is just kind of like when, you know, you know, you asked me earlier about moats, you know, because what we do is digital content, right? At the end of the day, it's just, it's just an MP4 file that we're delivering. You know, if you really strip out what, you know, you know, that it's a class. If you think about publishing, you think about entertainment, you think about music, all of those businesses on the internet, you know, they all fell to subscription models. Um, that have the biggest libraries. Um, and those are the ones that usually win over time. So it's more Spotify than iTunes. You know, it's more Netflix than going to Blockbuster online. Um, so we feel like, you know, today, with, you know, we have the biggest catalog for one price. And we think as we add more classes, we'll have a hundred thousand, if not a million courses on every single skill for one set price. And that is a great value for, for, for our members. Guys, big news. Last month was a huge month for the company I recently acquired, which was www.thetopinbox.com. I liked the company so much when I met the person who created it. It lets you send emails later on Gmail, set up reminders like snooze almost to keep your inbox clean, do things like send auto follow-ups and do open tracking so you know when your emails get opened. It's great if you're in sales or CEO or trying to be more productive. So listen, I bought the whole company on the spot and I want to tell you how I did it. I've showed the deal, by the way, to big, smart people, private equity firms, VCs, and they're dumbfounded. They go, Nathan, how did you do this? We've never seen a deal like this. How did you do this? So I did an unbelievable deal and I want to show you the income report. So for me to send you the income report, go to www.thetopinbox.com. Click the red button that says install this on Gmail. And when you do that, my email will appear. It'll appear in a little uh, Gmail pop-up window. Send me an email and I'll reply immediately with the income report. And you can see how I'm buying and growing small B2B SaaS companies. That's www.thetopinbox.com. Totally free to try and use. www.thetopinbox.com. What are you paying right now to currently to acquire customers, like fully weighted? Um, I would say up until this year, a lot of our growth was word of mouth and organic. Um, we started spending money on marketing um, this year. So, yeah, I, I think it ranges. You know, I think for our price point, for any consumer SaaS subscription business, you'll see, you know, CAC rate from anywhere from $10 to $50 uh, for a, a price point anywhere between, let's say, 5 and $20 per month. So I'd say we're within that range. And ideally, you want to get to a minimum of 3 to 1, you know, CAC LTV ratio um, so that you can scale. So if you're spending, uh, so, let's say you, you spend the max on that range of so let's say you spend 50 bucks to get an average $12 per month kind of customer. You said a lot of your customers are paying a hundred bucks up front. So, I mean, it's fair to say you're recovering most of your cash. We'll kind of do it on a weighted average. I mean, you're recovering most of it in less than four, well, less than three months, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that, that is a good, good business model to have when, um, you have customers paying you up front for a year. Yeah. What do you assume, like when you do lifetime value or do you do lifetime value calculations and do you use that to inform how aggressive you can be on CAC? Uh, for sure. I mean, the, more, the, the name of the game, it, like for a company is like, if you can make your business pretty predictable, um, that is, I think the holy grail of scaling. So if you can accurately say that I'm going to invest X amount, and I'm going to get Y amount out. 
in, with you know with high probability of confidence, you know, high you know, percentage of confidence, and then it comes down to how much risk do you want to take and how aggressive you want to be. And I think you know on one end of the spectrum, it's like Uber, where they're you know they're going really aggressive because they feel so confident in their curves, and you know, other businesses that aren't predictable, like you know they're not you know they're not taking that much risk or being that aggressive or you know even sticking you know being around you know a couple of years. So I think the name of the game is you know the more predictable you can make your business, the better and um, if you could do that, then you know you can be really aggressive. Last question before we wrap up with the famous five. Uh, do you guys think? Do you think you'll break the the thirty five million dollar ARR mark this year? Um, I'm not going to make a comment, but I, I definitely feel very confident that we'll continue double year over year. Okay, that's your that's your that's your modeling is doubling year over year. Yeah, so a minimum doubling year over year, and um, I think we'll be you know we'll be pretty we'll be we'll be in that range for yeah. sure. Are you comfortable sharing? Just so, I mean, so can I backtrack and go back a year in December of 2016? I mean, are you on track to double year over year? Which means about a year ago you were you know somewhere in the call it 16 17 million range. Yeah, so we we kind of look at it January every January. January's our busiest month, so every January, January, January for sure, doubling year over year. Got it. You're on you're on track to do that this year. Yep. Awesome. All right, let's wrap up, Michael, with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Um, I would say my favorite business book uh, that comes to mind. It's probably not a business book, but I really enjoy all Tim Ferriss's books. Um, around like life hacking, biohacking, productivity. So uh, I, I really enjoy all those. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, for a while, I did follow um, Reed Hastings, especially what he did with Netflix, because there's a lot of similarities to our business. As of late, I've been doing a lot of research into the CEO of SoftBank. Um, if you really go to his history and how he started SoftBank 20, 30 years ago, where, where he's built it, it, it is a, a phenomenal story. What's the best piece of content that's been created around his story? Is there some secret documentary? There's a, great, there's, a, there's a great YouTube interview that just came out about a month ago where they interviewed him for about 20 and 25 minutes about you know his like story and how he started SoftBank and how he started a $100 billion uh, venture fund. Um, yeah, if you don't watch that and get inspired, then, you know, you, you're in the wrong business. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, what's your favorite online tool for growing your business? Um, I, I would say the, my favorite online tool for growing your business is our analytics dashboard. Um, we use Chartio. So just being able to track all your data and look at it, pull out insights and see what's moving, what's not moving based on all the things you're doing. Gives you a really great pulse in your business. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Um, I get between seven and eight. Uh, I'm actually a huge proponent of sleep. I actually think it's the most important foundational thing you need to do for your health and well-being. Number uh, or last kind of question here: What's your situation? I think you said earlier you're you're not married, uh, but you're also not single. You have no kids, and and how old are you? Um, thirty-five. Thirty-five. Okay. Last question: Take us back fifteen years. What do you wish your twenty-year-old self knew? I wish my twenty-year-old self knew to. Uh, I guess focus on a few things, um, especially if I was really excited for those things versus spreading myself really thin. I think I spent a lot of 2025 20, like doing a lot of different things where um, if I you know went really in. So if I was 20 years today, I would go all in on crypto and blockchain, right? So rather than like should I do a startup, should I do this crypto thing, should I do this? I would you know focus all on the blockchain. So if you're 20, I would literally go read the Bitcoin white paper and the Ethereum white paper and you know buy $10 worth on Coinbase and, and just get, start 
going as deep as you can. From the guy that had over 100 ideas in an Excel sheet before picking out Skillshare, Michael says, focus and go all in on one thing. Uh, he's launched Skillshare back in 2011, is now serving well over 100 thousand consumers paying on average 12 bucks per month again to learn many 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 different things uh, millions and millions obviously of, of folks using the, the tools for free obviously a significant portion of those folks paying as well 25 million bucks in terms of funding they're doubling year over year with their team of 50 to 60 spread between new york and other remote locations michael thank you so much for taking us to the top yeah thanks for having me